Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Be The Man podcast, episode 49 rolling out here today. It's hard to believe that we're almost at a year doing this. Pastor Stacy and I have been rolling out these episodes pretty faithfully, uh, kind of going through our job description as a man that is highlighted in Ephesians chapter 5, as we're supposed to love our spouse as Christ has loved the church. And that's what this whole podcast has been about. We are highlighting our job description, talking about what it means to be a godly man in the context of how Jesus lays it out. Jesus is our ultimate model, and that is what we're striving to be. And that's our aim in this podcast. So without further ado, we're going to hop into some of this today. Uh, Pastor Stacy is not here with us this week. He was out on vacation, so he kind of left it up to me, for better or for worse. So I'm going to try to get on here and, and see what I can uh, lay into you guys today. So um, I've got a special guest that is very near and dear to me, and I'm super excited to introduce my dad, Matthew Tilly. He is a pastor at North Beaver Baptist Church, and he's a marketing VP, marketing guru. Uh, he's my dad. I've got three other siblings, so he's a father of four and uh, just a great guy. And hey, Dad, it's great to have you here on the podcast. How are you doing today, and what's going on in the world over there in Wilkes? Hey, uh, we're doing good, and I'm glad to be on here trying to help you with this. And um... I, I like doing podcasts. I actually run for my job. I actually do a podcast for my, my work. So I'm I'm used to being the host, not the, the guest, but uh, I'm glad to do it with you today. Well, we're, we're obviously happy to have you on. And, you know, the interesting thing that Pastor Stacy and I talk about a lot is just who are the, the mentors in my life and who are the people that I kind of uh, usually go to. And I allude to you a lot on these podcasts, you know, so for the listeners out there, whenever I allude to my dad and I, whenever I say, yep, that was one of daddy's quotes back in the day. Well, <laughs> here's the guy. This is where I get a lot of the wisdom from that uh, I get to impart with you guys. So um, daddy's going to help me through this. We're going to go through First uh, Corinthians chapter 16. We've actually done a uh, a previous study in this podcast. We went through 1 Corinthians 13, highlighting the uh, the definition of love. You know, love is patient, love is kind. We had an episode per each and every one of those things. Uh, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, it's kind of Paul's uh, kind of sending you off sort of thing, kind of leaving them with a the final thought. And he's warning against division in the church. He's, you know, putting this emphasis and importance on unity. But at the end here, he kind of tells us how to stand firm and to walk in love. And the kind of title I think I'm going to roll with this is is just the leadership and unity that we have in love as men. So the first thing, you know, I, I just want to ask you about, Daddy, is just what, as a as a man in leadership, as a man, as a pastor, and as a father, and as a spouse, you know, what's how does this particular passage, and I'll let you read that if you've got it pulled up, but how does this particular <clears throat> passage resonate, and where do you think we can take it? Well, uh, you mentioned that this is Paul closing out the letter of first Corinthians and as Paul is wont to do sometimes in his letters, he, towards the end of those letters, he kind of does these little rat. There's a couple of different places he does this, but he does these little rapid fire commands. He says, do yeah. this, do this, do this, do this. And what he does is he really gives five different ones. He says, watch, I'm reading out of the King James version. He says, watch ye. Then he says, stand fast in the faith. Then he says, quit you like men. And then he says, be strong. And then he says, number five, let all your things be done with charity. And he says, he's basically saying to the Corinthian church at large, he's saying, this is how you need to operate. Yeah. To your point, you mentioned about unity. And that's really a big emphasis of the whole book is how does this church uh, f stay pure? How do they stay focused? How do they stay under the banner of Christ? Um, 
now you're, this podcast is about men and how they are to operate. And you ask specifically is how does this relate to leadership as a man? And I think that as a Christian man, we have to do all five of those things. And first yeah. of all, he talks about watching. And one of the things that's easy to do, maybe not for every man, but a lot of us fellas, uh, it is easy for things to just let things roll by and let it, let them, let them roll on. But he says here, you need to watch, you need to be on the lookout. Um, there's two verses that I'd reference with that watch, uh, be on the lookout. Uh, one is first Peter chapter five and uh, verse eight, where it, you'll remember that verse. It's uh, this idea of like, kind of look out for the devil because he's like a roaring lion who's, who's walking about. But in that context, don't miss the fact that in chapter, chapter five, verse eight, he's talking about the devil. You got to watch out for him. But in, right before that, he says in verse uh, six, he says, make sure you're submitting yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Mm. Trust the Lord, basically. Yeah. He's the one who's going to exalt you. And then in verse 7, he says, when you've got some worries, got cares on your, on your back, you cast them on him. And the reason you do that is because if you don't do that, there's a lion out there ready to snatch you. So he says, watch out for your enemy. So that's yep. one we got to watch out for. Um, the second thing is we got to watch out for our own in, inside of us, our own sins, our own proclivities, our own uh, mess that we've got. Um, there's a passage over in Acts. I'm going to turn over there. It's in Acts chapter uh, 20. Um, Acts 20. <clears throat> in um, Acts 20 and verse 28, there's a, a conversation that's being had, but there's sort of Paul is charging the Ephesian elders in Acts 20 and verse 28, and he's telling them verse, in, in verse 20, verse, or sorry, chapter 20, verse 28, he says, take heed unto yourselves and unto the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. He's saying to essentially to this church or to these, these pastors, hey, watch out for the church. You've got to be careful yeah. with them. And then he goes on and he says, that there's in verse 29, there's these wolves that are going to come in and they're not going to spare the flock. Then verse 30, he says, of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things. He said, y'all even need to watch out for yourselves. You, there's people out there that want to hurt your church in this case. Uh, but you also have to watch out that you actually could be the problem. You could be the one teaching false doctrine. Yeah. And so ultimately that, that watchy, I think, uh, really has to do with this idea that we need to watch out. It's easy to, to let things slide in our own lives. It's easy to let things slide as other people, oh, he didn't mean it like that or whatever. I, I've had instances where I knew that somebody was in the wrong, their attitude was wrong, their spirit was wrong, their right. intentions were wrong. But I thought, ah, just let it go. It's not a big deal. And I'll promise you, in that particular case that I have in my head right now, it came back to bite me yeah. and my family in a big way. And uh, so Paul, uh, yeah, Paul is writing here and saying, first of all, as a man, you've got to watch. Yeah. As a Christian man, you have to watch out and be on, on, the, on, the, uh, on the defensive. Be prepared for those Yeah, things. well, and, and there's the, that passage in Matthew chapter 7. You know, it's like a wolf in sheep's clothing. You yes. know, there's a lot of those things can can seem like that they're good. They can seem like that they're actually going to be to your benefit. But like That's you right. just said, the reality is it's it's actually to your ultimate detriment. So right. and, and one of the things, if I can ask you this and yeah. on this idea of watching is be the man's all about. We're all about practicality. What's yeah. a way that you think of, in a, in a, of the life of a man or in anybody's life? They can be watchful and at a practical way of, of a pragmatic thing they can hold on to to be watchful in their lives. Yeah. 
Uh, one is a, a spiritual discipline um, that is the spiritual discipline of confession. And yeah. I'm not just talking about, I am talking about whenever you know that there's a sin in your life, going to the Lord and saying, asking for forgiveness, calling it what God calls it, calling it sin. But I think the practice, the spiritual discipline of, of confession is more than that. It is absolutely that. But it is in addition to that, it is actually going to the Lord and saying, God, show me what is wrong with me. Absolutely. Show me where I'm where I'm off off track. Uh, David does this a couple places in the Psalm where he says, "Listen, search me and know me. Tell me what what is wrong with me, so that I can find that sin." Uh, I think that um, we would do well to do a lot more personal checkups on ourselves. Um, mm -hmm. I, I know that the watching can also be on other people, watching against other people. But I'll just tell you, at least for me, my biggest enemy is Matthew Tilly. Um, he's the one that I have to watch out for. So, so you have to be on the watch against your own sin and your own heart. And sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Sin is deceptive like that. So yep. the best practice is that spiritual discipline of confession. Certainly when you know it, confess it. But then go to God and say, "Tell me what I'm missing. What? What? Show me where I'm wrong." And He will. He will answer that prayer. That's good. And I, you know, the this idea of being watchful it really easily ties into the next part about standing fast in the faith and yes. making sure that we are. We, we've alluded back to this in other podcasts. And the listeners, I don't know if you guys remember uh, the podcast about faithfulness in your marriage and about being firm, about not wavering, about not being swayed by these different things and. I think that's a great, you know, a great segue of being watchful. How do you do that and be faithful? Yeah, yeah. Just to add a couple of thoughts there with the stand fast or being faithful, standing fast in the faith. I do believe that Paul is specifically in this passage talking to the Corinthian church about knowing what they believed and sticking with what they believed and not yeah. being T tossed about, he says over in, I think it's Ephesians 4, tossed about by every wind of yeah. doctrine. So he's saying stand, like you, I think you said, stand firm, don't be wavering. Um, he, that's what he is talking about specifically, standing. Um, the writer of Hebrews says over in Hebrews ten twenty three that we need to hold fast to the yeah. profession of our faith without wavering. And the thought there is, in so many words, and again, we want to stay true to the scripture, but I think in the most general sense, he's saying, know what you believe yep. and don't let anybody, don't, don't let anybody tell you any different. Yep. Uh, I mean, ultimately we need to put our faith in Christ and that's what he's talking about. The gospel of Jesus. If you go back to chapters one, two, and three, that's what he's talking about. But, um, don't let circumstances, situations, all that tell you different. And I think that starts to spill over into relationships, whether we're talking about your commitment to your church, your commitment to your family, your commitment to a wife or a spouse. Uh, you know, you, you need to you need to have that kind of know what you stand for and what you stand for. If you're a Christian man is one who says, I'm making commitments to my family, to my church, to my community. Right. I'm making those because I am reflecting the the leadership of my savior. I'm actually trying to reflect Christ's character. And what does Christ stand Good. for? Well, he's not leaving. He's not backing down when things get hard. He's not letting somebody convince him that that commitment you made so many years ago is not important. You're going yeah. to stick in and stick it out no matter what. That's what um, he's talking about, not wavering on that. 
So much so, and again, we are. I want to be careful here because we are connecting two thoughts that I think are appropriate to connect, but let's make sure we know what we're connecting. Um, in Hebrews as well, Hebrews 11, he talks about 11 verse 38, that the just shall live by faith, so right. that the Christian is one who lives his life knowing what he believes and what he stands for. And again, that faith is not faith in faith, it's faith in Jesus. Yep. But he says in verse 39, that if we draw back from that, so in other words, you stop being faithful, you're now saying, I'm not, I, I don't believe that anymore. He says, you're right. drawing back to perdition. That's the King James again, but he talks about it, that the perdition or the destruction. You're drawing yourself back to per- destruction. Just to apply that, so that's the other connection that we're making here as to the, the life of a, of, a, of a Christian man. We are to be faithful to those commitments yeah. that we've made. And when we do that, we are living a life that reflects our Savior, which is exactly right and appropriate. It's the gospel being preached to the world around us. Yeah. Your passage you referenced earlier, Ephesians 5, uh, says exactly that, that our marriage is done right, actually show the world how much Christ loved his church and died for it. But, but, but when we draw back from those commitments, when we say, you know, it's not that important anymore, we actually, not only are we hurting our families and our churches and all these other things, we're actually doing damage to ourselves. We're destroying our own own yeah. lives by doing that. Uh, whether we feel like it or not, we might think we're making things better, but I believe just applying Hebrews eleven thirty nine, when we draw back from those faithfulness, we are we are actually putting ourselves in jeopardy. Which coming back to first Corinthians, I think that's what Paul's essentially saying. You need to hang in there or else somebody's yeah. going to beat you off the, they're going to, they're going to beat you up and, and knock you off your, your, uh, your stance and you got to be careful. Yeah. And, and, you know, this uh, complete idea, both of them really of being watchful and making sure you're faithful. I'm, I'm pretty sure Paul alludes to this in Hebrews or the author of Hebrews alludes to this of, you know, the different types of doctrines that are going to be there to sway you. Oh yeah. A lot of them look like they are promising. A lot of them might appear that way, but, and there's a, I think there's a, a really uh, good application here with men. And there's a lot of people, people pleasers, a lot of, of men out there who feel like that, They can just be moved and molded in whatever way the wind takes them. And there's something that is really valuable in standing fast to what you believe in, holding firm to the doctrine of faith, holding firm to the doctrine of Jesus Christ. And, you know, obviously applying that to your marriage, that's definitely a a very, a very pertinent point. But just in general of making sure you believe what you, you know, what you believe, standing firm with it and not being swayed by the many winds of the doctrine. So what do you, how does that resonate with you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that 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 idea that we don't need to listen to the the voices that are around us because those yeah. those voices the voice are going to change. Yeah. That you're going to hear a lot of different things. I mean, there there's going to be people who tell you that you're going to be happier if you leave your wife or you involve yourself in this, whether it's pornography or you involve yourself in an immoral relationship or whatever that may be within a marriage, or there's going to be people that'll tell you the church is just not that important to commit yourself to you. You know, you've got so many things in your life. The last thing you need to do is spend time on a Sunday morning with a bunch of people singing songs and listen to a sermon. There's all kinds of prevailing voices that are going to tell you that's not important and while they um, they are definitely teaching a false doctrine, they are ultimately going to be knocking you off your block, and right. they're going to say they're, they're going to make you th- you're going to make you question it. Kind of reminds me of what um, the devil did or the, sa- the serpent did in uh, Genesis three to Eve. He basically 
sort of says, ah, are you sure you want to do that? Is that, is that really what's going on here? Yeah. And Eve said, ah, maybe, maybe what you're saying is a good idea. And that's exactly what the, what us men will do whenever we listen to those prevailing voices in the world. Yeah. And so before we go on to that third point or that third yeah. section there, I want to highlight this verse out of Hebrews 11 that you've been alluding to, because it's interesting. I've heard I've heard you preach about it this a lot. And Pastor Stacy's just going through this. Um, and for the youth, I'm going through a book of Hebrews, too. And, and a verse 11 or chapter 11, verse one kind of gives the definition of faith. You know, the, yeah. the faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So, right. you know, exactly what you're talking about. A lot of times the ways of the world, the, the, the interesting things that glimmer at you, that shine at you might seem promising, but it's really this, this idea of faith that we can hold on to. That's really what's going to bode well for us. And that's the true, that's, that's the, the, the true fulfillment, the true right. li- life that we can have in Jesus. And, you know, Pastor Stacy talked about this in a previous podcast of how faith sometimes is not always, it doesn't seem like it's logical sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, the, the faith that you have in this God that you cannot see, how is that logical? Well, right. it's the evidence of the things not seen. It's the, the God around us that, or God that's around us that we can see through his works, through other people. And it might not be this, this feeling that you get all the time, but it's just this idea that he's always there. He's going to prove himself and he's never going to leave you. So if we right. be watchful, then we can draw an eye to him and he'll kind of help us with that whole idea of being faithful and understanding our job description as Absolutely. a man. Absolutely. And then the, the, the third point, um, I want to, I want to hear your opinion on this because it's a, um, it's a kind of a, you said a play on words sort of a thing, or not a play on words, but sort of a metaphor that Paul uses yeah. is quit you like men. What, is, what does that really mean? Yeah. In, in the King James, it says, quit you like men. I think in some other versions, it may say, uh, uh, stand like a man or be a man or something to that effect. Uh, but essentially he says it's a, it's a, uh, a, a sort of a turn of phrase that he uses, a, a colloquialism that we might say, you know, you might say to a, you know, a little boy, you know, you might say, Hey, you know, quit acting, quit acting like a baby or, you know, be a man, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so that that's the the idea that he's trying to convey here, and it's really um, again what he's not saying is that I'm asking you all to be men because ultimately he is actually talking to men and women. Let's let's be honest here with the text here. He says that we're talking to men and women, so I don't think he's necessarily saying be a man, right. but he is suggesting that there needs to be some characteristics that we would as as a culture both then and now associate with manhood, manliness. Be a man, be brave, have courage. It actually connects to that fourth point, in my view, which is uh, be strong yeah. um, as well. So he's, I think, in these two phrases of, of uh, be, quit you like men or be like a man, act like a man, be brave, have courage. He is saying there's going to be opposition that's coming. Yeah. The reason you're watching and the reason that you are going to have to be faithful is because there's going to be some opposition. It might come from without. It might come within the church, which is what was happening in Corinth. It might come within your own soul. But there's going to be opposition. And you can have you have a choice. You can, <laughs> you know, be a baby, be a little girl and run. Or you can be a man and stand yeah. firm. That's really what he's offering up here. So I mean, just like your podcast is named "Be a Man, Be the Man," you know that's that's what you're you're focused on is being a man and what that means to be a man. What that means in this case, or what that what he's saying is here, I want you to do that. And then I want to very quickly connect that because I think there's there's a lot you could talk about here, but I want to connect it to the verse that follows because I think that's how we understand 
when Paul says, quit you like men, act like a man, be brave, be strong, have courage. He's saying, here's the way to do that. Yes, we need to watch. Yes, we need to keep our faith. Yes, we need to, to, to be the man, but how do we do those things? That's that final point in the, in the, that next verse, which is essentially, this is how you take courage. This is how you act like a man. And that verse, he says, let all your things be done with charity in the King James or with love uh, might be another way to translate that. Yeah. And we, we, well, we, we've highlighted that, you know, this, this particular concept and I'll, I definitely want to hear you speak to this because, you know, uh, the whole, the, I guess the whole premise of be the man, you know, obviously is like you said, we're stepping up in that role in our job description as a godly man. And it really is, you know, it really is this idea of taking charge, taking the lead and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, exercising this leadership that God's bestowed on us as men. But there is this idea underneath that. Yes. Be be brave, be strong, be courageous, lead out in that way. But there is in the, I guess in the stereotypical world of a man, uh, mm-hmm. It's kind of this idea that we are uh, not supposed to be loving. We're not supposed to be, you know, show emotions. We're supposed to be sort of uh, uh, heavy and firm and all the time. But really what Paul's saying is a real man walks yeah. in love. A real That's man right. is is not not gets walked all over, but he mm-hmm. walks in love. He is a right. gracious and compassionate, just like our Heavenly Father is. Well, and, and I'd like to talk about that in the context of 1 Corinthians, because he's saying, I want you to, I want you to be a man. Yeah. And the way you're going to be a man is to walk in love in everything you do. Well, what is he talking about? All things. Well, he's talking about at the beginning, first chapters one through three, or the first couple chapters anyway, he's talking about they were actually having arguments among themselves about, we like this preacher, we like this man, we like this person. And he's saying, if you're going, you're going to have those disagreements and you're going to have favorites and all that. But how are you going to do that? You're going to have those disagreements in love. It's not about winning. It's not about beating the other guy. It's not about your side being even right. It's about being unified under the cross of Christ. He talks about in, um, in chapter six, uh, he addresses lawsuits, you know, that believers bringing lawsuits Mm -hmm. against each other. And in our culture today, you do anything against me. I I'm a, I'm a wimp. If I back down, if I don't, if I don't get back at you. And he says, hang on a minute. You're believers taking one another to court. What what's yeah. wrong with you? Don't you know you're going to rule the world as believers one day and Amen. you yeah. are in here having arguments like this. So being the man, according to Paul in first Corinthians 16, walking in love may mean backing down from what the world says. You need to go and fight to get what's yours to fight for your rights. Um, he talks about in uh, chapter uh, chapter eleven that there were people who were the the richer people, the the people who had some money. They were actually excluding people from the Lord's table, from the Lord's supper, because right. they didn't have enough money didn't have enough money to bring bring their own food. Basically, they were not allowing people to fellowship with them. And here's Paul saying, hang on, that's not what manhood looks like. Yeah, yeah. you might have more power than somebody else, but it's not about shutting them down and you getting to the head of the line. No, no, no. Walking in love means welcoming the poor, welcoming the, the, the disadvantaged and helping those that yeah. are, that are in, in a bad or uh, worse position than you. And then lastly, I'll just, I, I could go on, but I'll just give you the 12 through 14 of first Corinthians. He's talking about in there that all these people, they had these different gifts in, in Corinthian, in the Corinthian church. 
And some people had tongues and people had healing and all these things that they had. And especially the people with tongues, they, the, the, the speaking in tongues concept, they really like to get up front and start doing their thing. And he says, hang on a minute. That's supposed to be done not for how people can look at you, whatever gift you have, but you're supposed to be give it, doing those gifts that God has given you, using them for the benefit of the whole church. Yeah. That's what walking. So, so he goes through this whole book telling all these problems these people were having, which by my estimation, if we look at our culture today, they were, they were being manly. They were shoving to the front of the line. They were shutting down their opposition. They were, they were, they were being, they were being in the limelight. But Paul right. says, no, that's not what being a man in the Jesus life looks like in the Jesus life. Being a man says others first helping people using the gifts that God's given you right. to elevate, to edify other people. That's what being a man really looks like. Yeah. And the, you know, really the, the idea of, of being the man comes from Jesus because yes. I, you know, Matthew chapter five, the, the, the sermon on the Mount in verse five, he says, you know, that exact concept of, of, of kind of putting aside the, the, the inherent nature we have as men to be sort of to fight against things, but blessed are those who are the meek. Because they're going to inherit the earth. That's exactly what you're talking about. Is don't you realize that as believers, we are going to inherit the earth if we are just taking this concept of love and walking in love. And Jesus goes through all those the beatitudes. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who meek and or the the meek. And I think this is you know that really ties in well with what Paul's trying to highlight. Is isn't our model Jesus Christ? Isn't right. isn't who we're supposed to be following after the ultimate man? You know, yeah, is, is. is Jesus is. Christ. Right, because because even in that chapter thirteen, where of Corinthians, where Paul defines this word charity or love, uh, the agape, to use that that Greek there, the agape love, he's defining that in 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 some really you know beautiful verses, some poetic verses. He defines what love yeah. is, and what he's defining is not just what sounds good but actually what makes a difference in people's lives, not just what looks good, but what actually helps people to the point where he talks about suffering or putting up with people, uh, being kind, not, not wanting what other people have, but instead you're, you're trying to, instead of you know putting yourself forward and putting yourself first, kind of shoving to the front of the line, instead you're actually going to look for how can I push other people to the front of the yeah. line, yeah, not great. getting excited whenever you can. Uh, it talks about rejoicing, not in iniquity, not, not getting excited whenever, you know, somebody gets hurt or whatever. No, no, you're more about the truth. You're going to, yeah. whatever that may mean. And that may mean you have to suffer some pain and what ultimately you're going to bear, you're going to bear all things, put it, you're going to put up with a, some hits on the chin because you're not about yourself. Um, the, the verse that comes to mind immediately when I start thinking about this is Mark chapter 8, verse 34, where Jesus says that, you know, he's calling people to follow him. But he says, if you're going to follow me, you have to deny yourself and you have to pick up your cross. Mm -hmm. That your life, yeah. if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, your life is no longer about you. And if I could just quickly pivot that to what does that mean as a Christian man? That means as a Christian husband your life is not about how you can have the best life now. Your life is about 
Ephesians chapter 5 is how can you improve your wife's life to the place where she is the, the woman that God wants her to be. Uh, it's, when, if you're a, a Christian father, your, your job is not to say, let me make my kids to be so I can be so proud of them. That is not your job. It's not about you and your pride and your children. Again, I hope you can be proud in your kids, but that's not the goal. The goal is what can you do to sacrifice, literally sacrifice for them, if, that, if that's what it takes to, if, <laughs> to kind of put it in terms we sometimes will refer to, to literally be willing to take a bullet for your kids. If that's what it takes, that may mean you may have to sacrifice your job, you may have to sacrifice your career, you may have to sacrifice money, but your job is not about you anymore. It's about your family, your children. Mm-hmm. I'll even apply that to our church. If you're a part of a church as a Christian man, your job is not to say, well, I want this church to make me feel good. I want to I wanna get whatever I want to get out of it. Let me see what I can get from it. Again, I hope you're getting something, and I hope that you're being edified by it. But your job now as a follower of Jesus, it's not about you. It's about how can I use gifts God has given me to build up this church. That's mm. the, that is what a Christian man is doing, and that's what walking in love really looks like. Yeah, and I think this all ties back to uh, you know, ultimately the, the obvious ultimate edification of Jesus Christ, you know, and, yes. and that's what our goal is in, in, in all of this. And kind of to cap all this off, the one thing I want to, you know, leave these guys with and see if you can, can talk to this a little bit was the whole concept of what Paul's talking about is unity. And mm-hmm. I think what you're, what you're hitting on is awesome. And I think it's a real good vein of what we need to focus on, especially, you know, in this, in this realm for you and I, we're both in pastoral roles. You know, we, we lead churches or, you know, lead congregations in, in a church setting. Mm-hmm. And Pastor Stacy and I talk about this a lot too, of the actions of love. The definition of walking in love is it's patient, it's kind. And like you just said, as in a watchful and faithful, strong and brave way, it does not envy or boast. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, there's a way of unity and there's a way we can go about unity in the church, in our homes, in our lives. If we don't look over at the church next door and say, I want that. And why can't mm-hmm. we have that? Or right. if we look over at somebody else's family or at somebody else's wife or somebody yes. else's kids and say, I want that. Why can't I have that? If yes. we can have this mentality of centrality and unity mm-hmm then there's a there's a, a a whole realm of possibilities of the blessings of God and just of the prosperity of God and just of his his, confa- his compounding blessings because that's what he honors or that's what he's desiring for us to be is. is unified absolutely in, in fact it it brings me back what you're saying brings me back to Ephesians chapter 4 and there are verses 1 through 16 which I won't read all of that but just reference that for now and I'll just allude to a couple points. Yeah. He starts off that Paul starts off that passage by saying that he wants the church at Ephesus to walk worthy of the calling that they have that they have in Jesus Christ. He says I want you to to walk like a Christian supposed to yeah. walk, live a life of that. And the way he defines that in verse 2, he says the way that looks is with lowliness and meekness. It is with long-suffering, forbearing one another. In other words, it is about putting yourself on a lower level so that you can push other people to a higher level. And the reason we're doing that is because we have been given, verse 3, unity by the Holy Spirit. We've been given a common bond, not because we look alike, think alike, feel alike, or whatever, but because we have that same Holy Spirit in all of us. And our job now is not about getting what I want or what you want or what the other people have, but it's about endeavoring, this is verse 3 of Ephesians 4, endeavoring to keep the unity that the Spirit has given to us. 
and that's all centered around the fact that we are one body, and that's verses four through six. We're one body. We are together. We have one Savior. We have one hope. We have one Father. We have one God. We that's, we're all connected in that way. That is what real Christian uh, living looks like. It's got to be about no longer about me. It's ultimately about uh, even the Lord's Prayer. You know this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what our lives need to be centered around. That's good. And I I think this is a a great challenge, you know, that we can pivot to men just in a a general sense of, you know, if we follow these things of being watchful, making sure we're vigilant and and being and standing firm in the faith, not being not wavering, quit you like men, be brave and then be strong. And then finally do everything in love. Then there is this concept and this idea of unity that can unify the church, that can unify your house, that can unify your marriage, that can unify your relationships in all the realms. And I think that's what we're, our aim is today, you know, in, in just this, this podcast in general, but just in this particular episode is, you know, men out there, I want you to be charged. I want you to be challenged to go out today and, and maybe apply some of these concepts to your daily walk. And maybe as you're reading through, if you read through this with us, look around at these passages that, that we were talking about in Corinth first uh, Corinthians of how this concept of unity could apply and how it so well applies to the church today and how we can take these things and hold fast to them. Daddy, thanks for being on here with me today. Uh, You got any closing thoughts for the folks out there? Um, the, the one thing I will, I'll add for two things. Uh, one is, um, uh, if you're ever up and around Ash County, North Carolina, come look us up. We're at North Beaver Baptist church in West Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Love to have you come visit us at any time. And, uh, the second thing is, um, if you'll allow me to plug my podcast, go for it. I have Please seeking do. Christ in the scriptures. Uh, usually pretty, pretty much every third, most Thursdays I'm on uh, Facebook or YouTube. Uh, if you look for seeking Christ in the scriptures, you should be able to find it. And, uh, I'd love to have you join me there. Sweet. We will, well, I'll, I will have those links guys, uh, in the descriptions, go check out his, uh, podcast and the live streams from the church there. They've been a great help to me. And I, Obviously, I've listened to you preach my entire life, so I'm pretty biased. You're my favorite preacher, but obviously, you know, there's that's that's a biased take. But anyway, you guys go check that out, and uh, we will uh, maybe we'll do something here in the future again. So thanks again for being on here, and we appreciate it. Glad to do it. See ya. Thanks, guys, for tuning in to this episode of Be the Man. I'll catch you guys next time on our next episode, and I'll make sure you guys leave a comment or a like or share this out with somebody else, and uh, we will look forward to seeing you on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasting platform. Thank you, guys. God bless.